by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Wednesday, December 27th. This is Mariners Cast 111, I believe. It has been a minute. We are back. Uh, on today's episode, I will cover the Mitch Garver free agent signing. We will talk about who Mitch Garver is, address some of the questions fans have brought up regarding this signing, uh, why it is a good signing, what position he's going to play, why his health is less of a concern to me as it is to others. We'll talk pitching. Uh, I believe the Mariners pitching staff is pretty much set. I don't think they're going to be trading pitching for a bat, uh, but we will talk about that. There are payroll questions to address. How much payroll do they have left? Mariners, as an organization, took full control over Root Sports, their regional sports network. Uh, what does this mean, if anything, to the Mariners, to payroll, to the team on the field? We'll talk about some potential acquisitions. Players, I think, would be uh, attainable and good acquisitions for the Mariners to make and why his name is Jorge Polanco. Uh what the Mitch Garver signing means uh, as far as signing other players and then um, some other more creative ways to free up payroll if we have time. So with that, I apologize to the listeners for the gap in, uh, in time. It was the holidays. The holidays were intense. Uh, full disclosure, I work for UPS during the holidays or peak season, as we call it, it is a madhouse. And um, so working split shift, not having the time, uh, not having the energy at times. And then I had a, a tooth fracture and an infection that uh, slowed me down a bit, but I'm back. It is December 27th. As I said, I am digging back into my baseball databases, having a good time with that. And we are back on the Mariners cast train. So buckle up. Here we go. A couple days ago, Christmas Eve, Jerry DePoto gave Mariners fans a, an early uh, Christmas gift. If you are Mexican like I am, you celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. So I guess it was a Christmas gift technically for me. Might be a Christmas Eve gift for a lot of folks out there. Mitch Garver came up with the Twins as a catcher, power hitting catcher, has put up some really great numbers at times. Uh, the last two seasons, Mitch Garver was a Texas Ranger you may have seen him in the World Series, uh, was a very important offensive piece to the uh, Texas Rangers in their quest to win uh, a World Series. Last year, Mitch Garver hit 270, 370 with a 500 slug and an 870 OPS. Uh, sounds great, right? Drafted by the Twins, 2013. He is 30. He will be 33 years old this season. He is 6'1", 220. The contract the Mariners signed him to was a two-year, $24 million deal, $12 million AAV. Uh, in my opinion, that is very fair for Mitch Garver. I don't think you were getting him for less specifically in this park. Um, I like the deal a lot. I was on record on previous podcasts talking about why I thought Mitch Garver would be a great signing for the Mariners. Uh, to dig a little bit deeper into his season, last season, as I said, 870 OPS, he hit 270, 344 plate appearances, 45 runs, 19 home runs, 
50 RBIs and no stolen bases. So hit for power, drove in some runs. I think uh, you, um, you're looking at probably similar, maybe a little bit better numbers with the Mariners next year from a counting stat standpoint. We'll talk about why in a minute. Uh, he had a 12.8% walk rate, which is good for the 90th percentile in baseball. So almost a 13% walk rate, very selective hitter, 23.8% K rate, which put him in the 36th percentile. Uh, he does not chase. 98th percentile chase rate, 17.4%. He does whiff a little bit, 23.7%, 59th percentile. So when he does swing, there's a little bit of swing and miss, but he's got an incredible eye. Does not chase balls out of the strike zone, walks a ton. And when he does hit the ball, he hits for a ton of power. Why is it that he hits for a ton of power? Well, in part, uh, he hits the ball in the air and he pulls the ball a ton. 20.5 degree launch angle last season was the highest of his career. Almost 13% barrel rate. 30.4% ground ball rate was the lowest of his career and is very low for a hitter. And his pull rate, while it was the lowest since 2018, it was still 49.1%. So you're talking about a modern day power hitter that hits the ball in the air that hits the ball pole side and impacts the ball with power. So all of those things sound good, right? 313 BABIP, he had a 138 WRC plus last season, good for 2.1 fan graphs war again, 344 plate appearances. So what's the deal with Garver? Why only 344 plate appearances? Why, why 19 home runs instead of, you know, the 30 or 35, if you pushed out his, uh, kind of prorated his plate appearances. Well, Mitch Garver came up, as I said, with the twins as a catcher. And in his first season, first real season in 2018, he played in 103 games with the twins, 86 of them, he appeared as a catcher. So 83% of the games that he played in 2018, he caught. 88% of the games that he played in in 2019, he caught. 96% in 2020. Now, granted, it was 22 of 23 games, but still 96% of the games he appeared in in 20, he caught. 2021 was his last year with the Twins. 59 of 68 games he played catcher, 87%. So he was somewhere between 83 and 96% of the games that he played with the Twins where he appeared as a catcher. Moves to the Rangers, age 31 season in 2022. 14 of the 54 games that he played in, he caught. So only 26%. Rangers moved him off catcher. Rangers moved him to DH. 2023, huge year. 32% of the games he played catcher, 28 of 87. He is... And he hit, as I said, he had an 870 OPS and 19 home runs in only 344 plate appearances. What Mitch Garver has morphed into is a very productive power hitting designated hitter. Mitch Garver is no longer a catcher for all intents and purposes. He caught 28, excuse me. Yeah, he caught 28 games total last season out of the 87. So what I'm getting at and how this impacts the Mariners is 
originally, in my mind, I thought Mitch Garver could take some catcher at bats against left-handers from Cal Raleigh, keep Cal Raleigh fresh. You now free up a roster spot and you don't have to keep Blake Hunt or uh, Sebi Zavala, who are light-hitting defensive catchers. Um, as I look at Mitch Garver's numbers more, Mitch Garver's numbers more, what I see is a a player that probably should be exclusively a DH and that the Mariners should probably carry one of Zavala or Hunt to play against left-handers, some left-handers, to give Cal Raleigh a break. Now, Cal Raleigh is still going to play 125 games, but in my mind, you're probably going to have to have another catcher on the roster. Would Garver be more valuable if he could catch, say, 30 games a year? I think defensively, obviously, yes, and you free up a roster spot. Now, you have to weigh the roster spot and the rest for Cal Raleigh and the negativity or the negative of Zavala or Hunt's bat versus keeping Garver healthy and fresh as a DH for the entire season. Here's the knock on Mitch Garver. Here's what I've heard people talk about. Most played appearances in a season, 359 in 2019 with the Twins. He has never had more than 359 plate appearances in a season, and the Mariners gave him a two-year, $24 million contract. In that season, with 359 plate appearances, Mitch Garver hit 31 home runs. And he had a 630 slugging percentage and a 995 OPS. So that's an incredible season. Last season, in a similar range, right? 344 plate appearances, 19 home runs, 500 slug, 870 OPS. He has thunder in his bat if you can keep him healthy, is what it comes down to. And so, in my mind, would you rather have a Jose Caballero, a Sam Haggerty, depending on who else the Mariners acquire in the offseason, even a Dylan Moore on this roster, with Mitch Garver getting some catching duty and potentially getting hurt or putting more mileage on his legs? Or would you rather have Mitch Garver as your everyday DH and have to carry another catcher like a Zavala or a Hunt? I think as of right now, I would lean towards Garver being the everyday DH and having another catcher in the or on the roster. But that's just me, check in with me later. I may change my mind, especially as we see what else, what other changes the Mariners make to their roster. Some other things about Mitch Garver, he is much better against lefties than righties. Last season, he hit 344 against lefties with a 500 on base and a 938 OPS. His slugging was better against righties, 517, but he hit 250 with the 326 on base percentage. So, Better hitter against lefties. Last season, he hit for more power against righties. Last season in Texas, his home OPS was 925. 2023 park factors for Texas for right-handed hitters, 108 overall, so 8% easier to hit in Texas for right-handers, 138 
home run for right-handed hitters in Texas last season. 38% easier for a right-handed hitter to hit a home run in Texas last season. Compare that to Seattle. Seattle in 2023, overall for righties, 10% more difficult to hit. To hit a home run for righties, according to Savant Park Factors, 18% more difficult, 82 home run park factor versus right-handers. And yet, so you can look at those and say, well, why would the Mariners sign this power hitter when it is it is 56% more difficult to hit a home run as a righty in Seattle than it is in Texas last season? Why would the Mariners do that? Well, it's because Garver hits the snot out of the ball. According to Savant, Mitch Garver, had he been a Seattle Mariner last season, would have hit 22 home runs. He's still hitting bombs, whether it is a smaller or a bigger park, because he has that kind of power. He also hit 277 with a 906 OPS in the second half. He barrels the ball up 83rd percentile, hard hit 57th percentile. As I said, he doesn't chase. He hits breaking balls and off speed pretty well. He hits fastballs the best. But you're talking about a dude who, when healthy, is going to do damage. The only reason why he was 12 million and not more is because he hasn't been healthy. But I think the Mariners are smart enough to try to nurse his health, keep him away from catching, and have him be a primary DH. I am excited for Mitch Garver, even if he repeats what he did last year and he has 19 homers and an 850 OPS. The Mariners are very lucky. Very lucky to get him. I love the idea of Solaire, but I think Solaire or Garver makes, well, I think both would be great, but Solaire or Garver, the Mariners had to have one of the two. I think we all are in agreement about that. So more on Miss Garver in a minute. Super excited. I think primary DH, I would be surprised if he caught more than 20 games next season. Better against lefties than righties, but still hits righties for power. Does not chase at all some swing and miss in his game walks a ton just a very 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 good offensive player mariners are very lucky to have signed him i am for one super excited next topic you know there's a lot of bryce miller rumors out there there's a lot of rumors about you know created by other organizations about logan gilbert talk of the red sox do the red sox go after gilbert do they go after miller names like Sedan Rafaela, uh, Jaron Duran, uh, Tristan Casas floated a little bit, but a lot of fans talking about Duran for Gilbert and Duran for Miller. I'm like, get out of here with that. That's not, I think people don't understand the value of young controllable pitching. And I think because young controllable pitching is so valuable in baseball, I don't see the Mariners dealing one of Miller, Wu, or Gilbert for a bat. Any of the Luis Castillo, George Kirby rumors you hear, don't listen. I know even Ryan Divish had acknowledged the Luis Castillo idea. It's not happening. They're not stupid. He signed his another four years, I believe, on his deal at just over $20 million. It's a huge bargain. He ain't going anywhere. I don't think they trade their young pitching unless they get bowled over with an offer. We haven't heard anything as of yet. 
I don't think a Rosarena, uh, Paredes, Santander, those sorts of names, they don't, for me, they don't move the needle enough to give up Miller or Wu. Now, if you want to make the case that a Rosarena does, I will listen, but I would rather keep, personally, rather keep Miller and Wu and wait on some of the minor league talent on the way than deal one of those pitchers for a Rosalina right now. I also think that the fact that the Mariners were willing to trade away Marco Gonzalez, and whether you like him or not, he was still depth, says that, you know, as the Mariners starting pitching gets thinner and thinner with Robbie Ray out until at least midseason because of his surgery, and even when he comes back, he won't be effective. Really, the only starting pitcher in this organization outside of the top five that you would feel even halfway comfortable taking a turn in the rotation as a playoff contender is Emerson Hancock. There's not a lot of depth behind him. So if Hancock is your depth for the first half and you're expecting Robbie Ray to come back, if you're trading away Miller or Wu for a bat, you're likely bringing back more salary. And so the Mariners are going to be pretty close to being capped out at $140 million if that's the case. And you don't have money to go out and sign another pitcher. So the conversations around trading a pitcher for a hitter, to me, don't make a lot of financial sense, given the financial constraints of the team. Now, if you trade away Ty France and his, I believe, $7.1 or $7.3 million, $7.9, excuse me, and say you trade away Dylan Moore at $3 million, then you're talking about freeing up $11 million plus the 10-5 that's left or the 11-5 that's left. Okay, now you can talk about an Arena type, right? Now you can talk about taking on some money. But until then, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me from either a salary or a pitching standpoint to deal Wu or Miller. Now, I'm also fascinated that Brian Wu's name hasn't come up a lot in trade talks. It's more Bryce Miller that we hear. I don't know if I would assume because scouting is so good that Wu's name doesn't come up much because he's untouchable from the, or not close. He's close to untouchable from the Mariners perspective. Mariners can control that narrative. Right. And I think I'm going to assume they value Wu over Miller, but I think it's interesting. His name's not coming up as much. I think the bullpen will be similar. You've got Munoz at the back. You've got Brash, Topa, Spire, maybe Saucedo if you're carrying a second lefty. Jackson Kowar, who was acquired, um, obviously, in the uh, Kelnick trade. Prelander Baroa is being close to being ready. You have Ty Adcock from last year. Carlos Vargas, who was acquired from the Diamondbacks in the Eugenio Suarez trade. Um, Eduard Bizzardo you know, picked up last year, Cody Bolton. You've got a bunch of arms for the bullpen. The bullpen is going to be great. Trust the Mariners. Trust this process. Trust their ability to teach bullpen arms how to pitch. I think, again, from probably Spire on, Spire, Topa, Brash, Munoz, they're all safe. Could the Mariners trade a Matt Brash if they're getting a bat back? I think they could. 
would I be sad a bit because I really love Matt Brash, but as I've stated on previous podcasts, especially after the Paul Seawall trade, if you can trade a bullpen arm for a bat, you do it. You just flat out do it. Um, but I think so Spire, Topa, Brash, Munoz, Safe, Saucedo, Kowar, Baroa, those types of names I think you see in more middle relief in that Isaiah Campbell role. Um, but I think the bullpen is pretty much set. I think the starters are pretty much set. I don't expect them to make the trade with one of those top five. Um, again, Hancock, I think, is the number six. It wouldn't surprise me to see Hancock and Wu um, split some innings in that number five role to keep them both fresh and healthy. Uh, Ray comes back in the second half, potentially. But the pitching to me is set. I don't foresee them signing anybody big. I think if they do sign anyone, it's going to be more of a uh, – depth role um if they do decide they want to sign i think signing a back of the rotation starter is not a 100 indication that they would be trading a pitcher but i think it would obviously create a lot of momentum towards trading a pitcher but i don't see that as of right now so pitching is set in my mind i don't think it's likely that they make a trade i like the garber acquisition their payroll is currently about $128.5 million, according to Roster Resource. Um, Jerry Depoto has talked about a payroll of about $140 million. He said there is the potential to go over, but that they're going to try to keep it there. So you've got $11.5 million left. You've got a, from what I can see in the roster, $7.9 million in Ty France and $3 million in Dylan Moore that are a bit fungible from a player and a salary perspective. Um, again, dealing those two would take you closer to $23 million, $22, $23 million. Um, that's what would have to happen if the Mariners were to sign a bigger ticket free agent. Believe it or not, we're talking big ticket offensively. We're talking about a Teoscar Hernandez. We're talking about Cody Bellinger. Uh, we're even talking about, say, Reese Hoskins or J.D. Martinez, unless the Mariners push the payroll to one fifty. So what should the Mariners do from this point forward? Say you've got 11-5 left. Say you pencil in Ty France at first, which I actually like the idea of Ty France coming back. I think he is going to bounce back quite a bit. Um, I don't know that signing a Reese Hoskins and dealing Ty France is even an offensive upgrade. Obviously, it's more power. And France gets on my nerves with all the double plays and whatnot. But Ty France in 21 and in 22 was a very good offensive player. His WRC plus, I believe, was 25% better than league average both years or something close to it. So you're, you're talking about a very good offensive player when he's going right. We all know the driveline stuff. That he's at driveline right now. We all know that, you know, he's probably hurt a bit hurt last season. Um, at $7.9 million, I think he is the right option. So, yeah, in 20, in 155 plate appearances, his WRC plus was 133. In 21, Ty France, WRC plus 129. And in 22, it was 125. So a very good offensive player, whether you like him or not. So with the 11-5 left, and I'm doing most of these salary projections 
uh, off of uh, MLB trade rumors. Jorge Soler, three years, $45 million. So you're $15 million a year to Jorge Soler. Mariners will be going over their cap about $3.5 million without signing anybody else, but I think that's in range. J.D. Martinez, two years, $40 million. I think that's probably a little bit out of their price range. I don't think Martinez fits with Garver if Garver is your primary DH because Martinez cannot play outfield. Um, I don't think he's a fit once you sign Garver. I do think Solaire is a fit, potentially. Uh, here's why. He is a clearly a below average corner outfielder. He's slow. Um, he's clumsy. If you've watched him play outfield, he, he doesn't really belong out there necessarily. But if Soler is in one corner and you're playing, say, a Cade Marlowe or Zach Deloach or one of those types of guys in the other corner, and with Julio's range, you shade Julio towards Soler, right? You cheat Julio towards Soler. You play Soler deep. You're going to have balls drop in front of him a bit, but you play him deep. You you shade Julio towards Soler's side, knowing that you have a good athlete on the other side of Julio, and you take your chances because you're looking at a potential 850, 900 OPS bat. I would love to see Soler. It would be a little clunky with he and Garver because they're both defensive liabilities or DHs, but I would love to see it offensively. J.D. Martinez, I don't think is an option. Reese Hoskins, two years, $36 million. That's $18 million a year. I think the Mariners deal tie France if they sign Reese Hoskins. Um, I don't know that he's a huge upgrade. Uh, he does make contact. He does hit for power. He hits the ball in the air a ton. Low average, high power versus tie France, higher average, lower power. Um, wouldn't love the signing. I think that's change for the sake of change. Cody Bellinger is way out of the price range. I don't see the Mariners committing 10 years to a, to a player either. Um, projection for Cody Bellinger is 12 years, 264 million. I think that projection is high. Don't think it's happening. Um, Teoscar Hernandez, four years, 80 million. I find it interesting that the Mariners don't offer him the QO at just over 20 million for one year. And yet the projection on the market is for $20 million a year over four years. I think what this says is everyone realizes Teoscar Hernandez is a very talented player and he was undervalued and under-recognized by both Mariners fans, Mariners media, and potentially Mariners front office. I think it's too bad that the Mariners didn't, that Mariners fans did not recognize what we had in Teoscar Hernandez. I wish he was still the starting right fielder. I think that ship has sailed mostly from an emotional standpoint or a feeling standpoint. I don't think either the Mariners or Teo are going into business with one another again. Blake Snell, not a need out of the price range, seven, seven years, 200 million. Gio Urshela, uh, high contact, good defensive player, can play second, third, short, probably obviously could play first. I was on the Angels last year, was with the Yankees for a bit. Two years, 20 million is the projection. He is not an upgrade over anything the Mariners currently have. Um, Luis Urias and Josh Rojas are better options than Gio Urshela is. Ahmed Rosario, uh, fast, former top prospect, two years, 18 million is the projection. I would be upset if they signed Rosario, Whit Merrifield, 
either of those two. They're both projected projected two years, 18. Neither of them move the needle for the Mariners at all. Neither of them um, provide any sort of pop. Uh, they're both fast, but they're, it's like a slightly, like a deluxe Adam Frazier is what you're looking at with either of those two. And none of us liked Adam Frazier with the Mariners. Justin Turner, older, late 30s, very good bat, no longer plays third base, may be able to get away with second on occasion, more of a first base DH type. One year, $16 million is a projection. With him, you're looking at a decent average and 20-plus home runs. Professional hitter um, would be great in this lineup. I don't know that he's a great fit in this park, and if that's your last bullet, I don't want it to be on a you know 39, 38, 39-year-old Justin Turner. Tim Anderson, projected one year, $12 million. Um, He would play second base on the Mariners. He has historically been a very productive hitter, uh, super high average, hits everything, hits everything into the ground, fast, doesn't hit for a ton of power, former batting champion, um, poor defensive shortstop last season, but I think would be an okay second baseman. Uh, range for the Mariners up the middle wouldn't be great with JP, but a former, formerly a very productive um, offensive player. And it would be a huge gamble because you're spending your last bullet on a player that was a 60 WRC plus in 524 plate appearances last season would be a bit insane. It would be a huge risk. However, the previous four seasons, starting in 2019, Tim Anderson hit 335, 324, or 322, 309, and 301. And three of those four seasons, he had double-digit home runs. So if the Mariners got something close to that version of Tim Anderson, it would be a huge steal. But I think it would be a huge risk to bring him on. So as of right now, I'm a no on Tim Anderson. The other names I have here, Tommy Pham, uh, it's primarily against left-handed pitching, corner outfielder, kind of nuts, talked about him a lot. I think he'd be a great fit on this team, especially with Marlowe, Deloach, those type of left-handed corner outfield bats in the system. Uh, we'll see Adam Duvall is another one hit for a ton of power uh, with Boston, but was hurt. They would not be expensive, but they would certainly take a little chunk out of the budget. I think you would see one of those two if you saw a couple of smaller moves. So from a free agent standpoint, where does that leave us? In my mind, it's kind of Solaire or, or bust if you are going the free agent route. Um, I like the idea of Solaire a lot. I have since the trade deadline. Uh Fam Duval are the other two that in my mind would be decent acquisitions. But here's the issue. The Mariners need both a corner outfielder and either a second or a third baseman. They're not going into 24 with Ryan Bliss as the starting second baseman or Tyler Locklear as the starting third baseman. It's not smart. It's not happening. Does Solaire solve that? No. Solaire solves the corner outfield spot to a certain extent, even though he should be a DH. But he worsens the defense in the corner and in the outfield. 
and he soaks up more than what's left with the budget, assuming a $140 million payroll. So what should the Mariners do? I've said it from the beginning. I will say it again. The Mariners would solve a ton of problems if they traded a minor leaguer or two to the Minnesota Twins for Jorge Polanco. He is a an offensive second baseman who can play shortstop. The Twins picked up his $10.5 million option last season or for this season, and he has the same club option for 2025. He's a switch hitter. He's 5'11". His WRC plus over the last five years since 2018 have been 111, 120, 82 in 2020. But then the last three seasons, 124, 119, 118. He was a 4.2 war player in 2021. He had 33 home runs. He had 16 home runs in 22 and 445 at-bats. He had 14 home runs last season and 343 at-bats. The last two seasons, he's run a double-digit walk rate. He hits for a lower average, but part of that is because he hits the ball in the air a ton. And he hits it pull side a good amount. So another pull power fly ball hitter who hits for a ton of power, who is a bit of a health risk. But for the Mariners, in the situation they're in, if you traded a Gabriel Gonzalez, a Jonathan Classe, a Johnny Farmello, right? So one of the outfielders in the Mariners system, or even an Emerson Hancock. And I know that would hit your pitching depth even more, but the Twins are in a similar situation as the Mariners with their RSN and with their payroll. They are cutting payroll. The Twins are shedding payroll. And a player like Polanco, who is repetitive on the Twins, because primarily because of Edouard Julien, their top prospect second baseman, you got Royce Lewis at third, you've got Correa at short, you've got Julien to play second. They also have Kyle Farmer, who I know doesn't sound like much, but has been decent. Nick Gordon, Willie Castro, right? There are players on this team that can take Polanco's spot. Nico Goodrum is in AAA. Austin Martin is a former top pro or former high draft pick who's in AAA. There are a lot of players. They don't need they don't need Jorge Polanco. What they need to do is trade him, and I think they know that. But they're going to hold on to him until they can get something for him. And their farm system is not great, so the Mariners have. You know, I don't know that I would deal Harry Ford. For Polanco, I don't know that I would – I certainly wouldn't deal Cole Young or Colt Emerson. I think Lazaro Montes is someone I would want to keep. Fountain Sellison is someone I would want to keep. But you still have Gabriel Gonzalez, Classe, Farmelo, a bunch of other prospects, right? Taking away one of those prospects, all of whom have the potential to be top 100. You take one of those prospects and deal them for your new second baseman. I think that makes a ton of sense. So Polanco is what I want to see the Mariners do. You pencil him, him in to hit third. Garver hits fourth. Now Cal Raleigh hits fifth. Canzone hits sixth, right? And you've got a deeper lineup now. 
And it, what it would cost you is nothing off of the major league team. I don't think the twins would be looking for something off the major league team, to be honest with you. I even think they would take a lesser prospect and a reliever potentially for Polanco. But Jorge Polanco is the move I want the Mariners to make. Now that would bring them up to 139 million and they wouldn't really have room to sign someone else. So in some ways you're robbing Peter to pay Paul because you still need a corner outfielder. But in my mind, it is harder to find offense at second or third than it is to find a corner outfield bat. And so solidifying the infield with Polanco would move Rojas and uh, Urias to third, would solidify the infield. Urias could play some second base, right? You had some sort of insurance for Polanco if need be, if he got hurt. And you would have to really find find a corner outfield bat. Now, would the Orioles take another another minor leaguer for Anthony Santander? I think that's a, that's a possibility, right? So you're looking at those kinds of names now. Or you're signing Tommy Pham to a one-year, $7 million, $5 million contract, and you're pairing him up with Cade uh, Marlowe. Pham is productive, but Polanco really solidifies this team if you're able to acquire him. That is the player I believe the Mariners need. That's the player that I see. That's the player I want. That's the player I'd be stumping for if I was in that front office. The other one that I think would be awesome is Josh Naylor, but Josh Naylor likely would cost you Bryce Miller. Josh Naylor's 25, highly productive. You could make the case that he's a bit of a platoon bat because he hits righties so much better than lefties, but he would be a huge upgrade over Ty France, in my opinion. Um, He isn't a free agent until 26. Uh, the Guardians are looking to deal anybody who's going to cost them money. He's arbitration eligible now. Um, I think if you acquire Naylor, you'd love to keep Naylor and France. I don't think that's a possibility. I think you deal France at that point in time. But again, I would start with the Twins and acquiring Jorge Polanco. I think that would set a lot of other things in motion. And I think that would really solidify the Mariners' offense. Um And you would have him through 25 because the club option is for 25, at which point Cole Young, Cole Emerson, Felden, not Celestin really, but those two specifically and Bliss obviously are all ready to go. Cole Young is your next Mariner second baseman. I think he could be up by the end of 24. He's that advanced from a hitting standpoint. I hope that they can keep him down until 25. Um, but I think Polanco makes a ton of sense for this team. I've been saying it since the trade deadline. I will continue to say it. Um, I would love to see him on this team. And I think the fit is a beautiful fit. You add Tommy Pham again, you pair Pham with Marlowe or Deloach, and you got platoons in both corners, which is a bit ugly, but it's um, Canzone and Moore in one corner. It's Deloach, Trammell, Marlowe and Fam in the other corner, and you go from there. Again, as I said, I don't think signing Mitch Garver precludes the Mariners from signing Jorge Soler because I think Soler can be passable in the outfield. Um, I'd love to see it. I don't know if payroll would allow it, uh, but we will see. So Mariners signed Garver, huge step in the right direction. Um, 
The team looks a bit different than I thought it would at this point in time. Uh, I won't address the negativity from the fans on Twitter. Um, only to say that I find it interesting that a bunch of the Mariners accounts are now on the side that I've been holding down the whole time, which is the Mariners are good. Mariners are a high 80s, low 90s win team. Why are you being so negative? Why are you ditching the team? Why do you want to give up your season tickets? Go root for someone else. Don't get back on this bandwagon when they're good. Judge the front office game one of the regular season. Judge the front office in spring training, right? Because they're not done making moves. They're being patient. And I'm quite sure it's incredibly frustrating for the front office to not have the money to spend that they thought they would. But be patient. This team is going to be good. This team is going to be fun. So to recap, Mariner Sign Garver, I think he's their primary DH. I don't think he's going to catch much. We will see. Uh, I don't think this precludes them from signing Jorge Soler, but I do think it, it makes the fit more difficult. I talked about potential acquisitions. I think realistically, um, Soler, Polanco, Hoskins, Naylor uh, are the types of names that are the top end of the Mariner shopping list. I'd love to see Polanco become a Mariner. Um, Dealing France and dealing more potentially frees up about 11 million. I don't expect that to happen, but that is a potential. Um, but this Mariners team is going to be good. And as long as the pitching is what it is, it's going to be a freaking blast. I'm excited. Uh, again, I apologize for being out for the last couple of weeks between work and health and the holidays. Uh, it was difficult. I will be back once a week from this point forward as we get closer to spring training. It'll be more often also the next big Mariners move. I will be back. Uh, thank you for listening to today's Mariners cast. Once again, we are presented to you by sports ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino junior 20. That's T I N O J R two zero and the podcast at ethos Mariners E T H O S M A R I N E R S. Take care. Y'all.